Here's the snap. Down the line left. Caught by Everett. He's got a first down. He's got a touchdown. Beautifully blocked. Andrew Whitworth. The rookie David Edwards clearing a lane for Everett to get the touchdown. We saw the same play go against Co with Cooper Cup right before the half, trying to get the ball out quick. This time they get it to their athletic tight end, and Gerald Everett, I mean, walks right in. Great play call, great execution. Hello and welcome to a special London edition of Rams Revealed. My name is JB Long. We're in Hertfordshire, England, about an hour outside the city. And from here, the Rams will complete their preparations for Week 8. And in anticipation of the Cincinnati Bengals, tight end Gerald Everett is our guest. Gerald, nice to see you. Always enjoy our conversations. Man, the jet lag is real, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it was very real, too, especially coming from Atlanta. But, you know, I didn't want to leave the family. But, uh, you know, it's time to move on and handle business. Yeah, so we left Atlanta about 7 p.m. Eastern Time Thursday. Arrived in the U.K. Friday morning. You were just telling me you got some good sleep, though, so your body clock might actually be reset already. Yeah, I try to sleep every flight that I get on, you know, just to try to get away from the whole time change. So you so. think you got a good six and a half, seven hours, maybe, while we were airborne? <laughs> I don't know. I just try to get as much as I can. Good for you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 30 minute activation upon arrival here at the team hotel. What does that entail to get you in your preparations for uh, game just day? Get some blood flow, you know, yeah. from being at a constant rest on the plane and just. You know, going from start to stop, back to start. So we're about to practice here in a little bit. So we're just trying to, you know, promote some blood flow. Nice. All right, practice this afternoon. One final tune-up uh, before week eight against the Bengals. That means the bye week is just days away, Gerald. What would it mean to you and your teammates to finish the first half of the schedule at five and three? Uh, definitely give us, a, you know, a sense of relief, you know, just going into the bye week with that, that win. Uh, definitely, you know, we, we can relax at home with a little more comfort, you know, uh, and be ready to come back. Bye week's more enjoyable when you win going in, and that's been the trend under Sean McVay and, and your tenure as a Ram. Let's revisit the win over the Falcons, though, that broke the losing streak, and we have to start with your uh, Dirty Bird touchdown celebration. What else could we possibly do, right? <laughs> Tell us where that came from. How long you been waiting to do that, thinking about doing that? Well, you know, originally I thought that I would get the chance to do it in college, but I didn't go to one of those top uh, programs. So, mm -hmm. you know, I had to opportunity to do it in the, in the league and you know I'm, I'm blessed and I'm fortunate so I wasn't gonna miss that opportunity. Gerald you were born in 94 though the Dirty Bird was Jamal Anderson's creation in the late 90s like you were too young to have seen those or remembered those when they happened you must have just kind of heard the legend and seen highlights and replays to refresh your memory along the way. Of course of course you know my family I've grown I've grown up in a Falcon household so um, you know my family has always been diehard season ticket holders but um, back when Vic was playing and all those great guys, you know, they it, it was it was something that you had, you couldn't miss. So mm -hmm. and I was I wasn't gonna miss my opportunity either. Jamal, of course, saw it, came to his attention, and he gave you the stamp of approval. <laughs> he tweeted back at you. You grew up with us, and you did it right. Yes, was sir. that good validation for your celebration of against course. the Falcons? Of course, of course. You know, I have some friends on the Falcons team that uh, you know they didn't mention it, but I mean, they knew that I was gonna do it. I felt like. Well, the tight ends, I think, on this team have the best touchdown celebrations, right? Yeah, I would have to agree. I mean, you go Carolina week one, and Tyler does his uh, shot of espresso. Yeah. Uh, it makes me wonder, though, what's Johnny Munt got in store for us? Can we get him in the end zone? Because I got to see that. He actually has uh, one of the best dance moves uh, in our group. I have to give him that. Um, yeah, he gets down at the parties. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, Johnny gets down. Uh, that's a pretty close-knit group, the three of you, isn't pretty, it? Of course. Tell yeah. us about that dynamic. Uh, you know, ever since we, with Johnny and I came into the league with and joined Tyler, um, you know, we've always just been a close, 
close group of guys, you know, we just developed that brotherhood and it's mm-hmm. definitely translated onto the field. And the three of you are often now active on game day as, right. as kind of the game day roster has right. evolved. We're seeing more two and even three tight end sets from the Rams offensively in recent right. weeks. Right. You like that? Of course. Of course. That's what we all want. You know, uh, if, if everybody in your, your skill group could be on the field at the same time, I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. So we definitely have fun doing that. Uh, before the Dirty Bird, how about the blocks that led you into the end zone? Robert Woods, Andrew Whitworth, David Edwards making his first NFL start, uh, leading your way to pay dirt. Right. Uh, you know, a bunch of great guys that, you know, we all want to play for each other and just do what our, whatever our job entails that play, and they did it to their best capabilities, as you saw Robert with mm-hmm. the key block and Wit getting out on the edge. And Dave, of course, you know, he came out with extreme poise, and, you know, I talked to him before the game, and, you know, he wasn't moved. He was he was in the moment, and he was focused, and, I'm you know, I'm proud. I'm happy for him. The great thing about that touchdown, and really the second half, was whatever adjustment you and Jared made. I mean, in the first half, seven targets, only one caught. I know you guys felt like you left some on the field. But then in the second half, three targets, three catches, the 33-yarder, the touchdown. What changed? You know, I don't think anything changed. Just having that confidence in each other and within the offense and the team and, you know, just sticking with the program and what we were going to do regardless, you know, whether it worked or not. Um, You know, Jerry just having that confidence and and vice versa. You know, we trust each other. And wherever he puts it, I'm going to try my best to go and get it. And, you know, I just want him to be able to let it go without – you know, any doubt? Well, I thought you were winning your matchups. I mean, you were giving yourself and him plenty of opportunities. So great to see you guys convert there in the second half, a win over the Falcons. Uh, did you enjoy your week at home? Did you use the day off to connect with some family and friends? Um, I think I saw my family just about every day we were there. Great. You know, nice. but, you know, this trip was mainly about, you know, getting that win, getting back on track. But, uh, you know, my family, they come out and visit. So mm-hmm. that wasn't any kind of hindrance. Uh, you know, we, we know what kind of caliber team we are. So we weren't exactly happy with the past three games of course but we we wanted to make that the prime the primary example why we came to Atlanta so part of your upbringing uh was Decatur Georgia Columbia High School if I had told you at the end of your junior year in high school that someday you would score a touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons what would teenage Gerald Everett have said (laughs) better watch out (laughs) that's all I can say I mean I I, I, you couldn't predict it. I mean, from five colleges to two different high schools, and I only played one year. So, I mean, to be in this situation is a blessing. Because you weren't even a, a football player at that right, point. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure you had played some some variations of football, but in terms of organized high school football, that didn't start till your senior year, am I correct? Pretty much, yeah. Tell us about that decision. Well, you know, I was running track and playing basketball, but initially I grew up playing baseball and, you know, playing football in the recreational league. But um, I, I just kind of stepped away in high school and just started playing more basketball and, you know, just being a student, like being normal, you know, not having to deal with sports year round. So that was cool, you know, but um, when it came time for scholarships, it was time to make a best decision. <laughs> and, you know, I, I luckily I had like maybe two offers because I didn't have much film out. But, you know, I thank those programs for giving me opportunity and, you know, let that be a stepping stone for getting here. But the possibility of transitioning to football as a receiver, as a tight end, whatever it might have been, you knew you had the skill set, the athletic ability, that that could be in your future? Like that wasn't a totally foreign thought to you as a young athlete? I mean, you, you never you never can be almost all the way certain. But, I mean, you, you definitely can have to have that confidence in yourself and whatever you do in life, you know, if you actually want to do it and succeed in it. And so, um, you know, I just wanted to just – stay and roll with the punches and just see where it took me. Was there a moment during all those transitions academically, athletically, where you knew as a football player, I have what it takes to play this sport at the highest level? 
I think I would have to say when I took so much time off and came back and just hadn't lost a step really, it just took maybe like two or three days to really get my feet back under me. And mm-hmm. I was like, I took like four years off. So no way should I be able to keep up with these guys, you know, but the fact that I was still able to was kind of showed me that, you know, I need to put some more, uh, some more work with this that I'm, I have. So I just, it took me where I'm at. Awesome. All right, let's dig into some other things, including uh, away from the football field. And this is the philosophy portion of the program, Gerald, because this comes from your Instagram profile. Mm. The world that we share is more important than the individual worlds we live in. Wow, what a, what a wise philosopher that is who said that. Hmm. I wonder who said that. You attribute it to me, not me, me, you, you. Me, me, or you? You, you. you. Those are your words. You just, they are, I, mean, I, yeah, I literally, I, I copied that. I Googled that. Like, did he, did he pull that from something he read? I, no, I can't find just, any other instance of that. I mean, just looking at life itself, uh, you know, people, some people are caught up in their own lives and forget about the world that we share. I mean, you know, you have to consider the, the earth. You have to consider, you know, the things that we share as, as, a, as, a, as a population, as a culture, and just as a people. You know, some people lose sight of that, and I feel like, you know, you have to consider, like, the things that we share before you consider everything that you yourself ha- have. You know, it's, like, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but it's more so an idea. I, I mean, I just thought it was cool that you would quote yourself your own wisdom in your Instagram profile. Like, I think normally that would be like, oh, what a conceited thing to do. But it's such, like, a humble philosophy that it, it works. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people come across your page, you know, being in the sports world. But um, a lot of people won't follow you. But I feel like if someone reads that, then, you mm-hmm. know, I mean... My mission's done. Yeah. yeah. Can you think of any example recently of how you've lived that out? Um, just putting other people before myself, you know, things that I share with the rest of the world and opposed to things that I have to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I definitely take more pride in things that other people will use and, you know, just putting, like I said, putting you guys before me, you know, just considering everything before I make a decision. So when you hear like, man, these guys want to do a podcast on a Friday after we land in the UK, like I'd rather go get a nap, get some food, but I'm going to put them first. So thank <laughs> no, you for see, thinking of us. Actually, you know, I actually, I actually missed the entire meal on the plane. So I was like, <laughs> you were right. sleeping too yeah, well. Yeah. My phone was dead. So I had to go get my charger. I had to, but I definitely wasn't going to miss this. Uh, one thought on the Bengals as we wind down. I don't think it's a secret that Andrew Whitworth would like to beat his former franchise. Uh, he has not had that opportunity yet. Right. It's the only NFL franchise he doesn't have a win against for obvious reasons. How aware are his are his teammates of what you know, kind of his Cincinnati tenure meant and what it would mean to him, you know, kind of in the twilight of his career to finish it off with a win over the Bengals? Oh, we we're definitely gonna try to get that done for him. That's an understatement. Yeah, yeah, for All sure. Right. I just, I was curious. I mean, it's, it's something that's at the top of our mind as we prepare to do this game. I just didn't know inside the locker room if that's something that, that Wit makes a deal of. No, he hasn't said a word about it, but you know, that's one of those unspoken things. Sure. You know, we definitely want to get that done. One other tangent: you go back and forth with Tory Holt a good bit on social media. Mm-hmm. How did that relationship develop? Well, as soon as I got in the league, um, you know, I was trying to decide which number I could get and. Mm-hmm. You know, in college, I wore 12, but the league has this, you know, this rule where you can only wear at a certain a certain position, a certain range of numbers. Mm-hmm. So 12 wasn't available, of course, and I had to choose between 80 and 89. There were only a handful of numbers that were still available. So it was either 83 or 81, and Josh and I actually switched numbers. So I was like, well, I don't know if this number is retired. You know, Tory wore it, and... You know, I'm I'm definitely blessed, and I'm gonna try to 
That's some big shoes to fill, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I was confident in myself, and, you know, I'm proud to wear the number. Did you reach out to him as you put that on, like, hey, are you good with this, or is there anything I need to know about wearing 81 for the Rams, or did he just see you in it and say? Well, you know, it was when they started to come to the facility, the Legends community. Oh, nice. Around OTAs, and, you know, we kind of got uh, acquainted with each other, and then as the season progressed, you know, we just got warmer with each other, and now we have the relationship we have. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, a couple of fan questions to finish. Eric Hurley has our first how does it feel to you to be Sean McVay's first draft pick? You were the first pick of his tenure. It feels pretty good. It feels pretty good. Uh, you know, he did some great things in Washington, especially with his uh, tight ends, and, you know, definitely wanted to continue that. But um, to be the first draft pick anywhere is a blessing, you know, along from being the first pick for my school ever, mm. you know, just to lead the way for the rest of the guys to come for years and years and you know, I just try to be the focal point, but, you know, it's still a work in progress, and, you know, I feel like I'm still a student of the game. Shortly thereafter, Cooper Cup was drafted, right. and Joe, probably uh, doing his research, knew that you both ran four six two in the 40 pre-draft, and so he's curious, as your careers have gone on, who's faster? Like, if we lined you up today in England, Cooper Cup or Gerald Everett, who wins that race? You know... A four six two wasn't really my actual forty time. That's like an average of the two times that we ran at the combine. Uh-huh. I was actually more of a four five guy. But I don't know if Coop's faster, but he may be. I would just have to wait and see. So you think your best beats his best? Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't. I mean, if you have a four five on your resume. With the laser in Indy. Okay. I mean it is soon as soon as you move. Thanks for setting the record straight. Uh, Another question, this from a different Eric, Eric Litster. What specifically have you worked on to improve your run blocking, and do you have a favorite block from the 2019 season? Uh, What I worked on mostly in offseason was probably my technique, uh, eliminating wasted movements, Uh, just working and watching the O-line guys like Whitworth and Havenstein. You know, those guys are some of the best to do in the league and just watching their techniques and fundamentals and just trying to emulate that, um, you know, honing in on my coaching and really just, you know, being aggressive, trying to be the hammer each and every play instead of being the nail. And, you know, that's definitely helped me. And I would have to say that the best block for myself would have to be Robert's touchdown from last week on the end around. All right, I'm going to go find that on Game Pass and, and highlight your block. Yeah, uh, last one, uh, I'm not sure uh, who submitted this question. Someone named John Johnson the Third mm. wants to know, uh, ask Gerald if he misses me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know I miss you, bro. I miss you. That's my boy, JJ. Yeah, we wish you were here, bro, but you got you to recover. You know, We're, we're going to get this win for you, so make sure you tuned in. All right. Thank you for listening to everyone, including John Johnson. We'll see you back in California soon. In the meantime, check out Ramblin' with Serena Morales, a weekly podcast featuring conversations with all kinds of different football figures getting their perspective on the Rams. This week, she actually caught up with Sean McVay's father while we were in Atlanta. For Gerald Everett's another Atlanta product, I'm J.B. Long. The Rams complete the first half of their schedule on Sunday, 10 a.m. Pacific time against the Bengals at Wembley Stadium. Thank you for listening to Rams Revealed.